Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tech Talk, a podcast where Amit and I talk about all things tech and its implication on our society, on our lives and everything else. Thank you again for tuning in to um, listen to this week's episode. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about something very popular nowadays uh, is uh, generative AI. We have come across, I'm sure you have uh, come across the name ChatGPT, but there are some also rival ones as well, uh, uh, competitors. And um, all of these new AI um, solutions uh, can be put into one category, which is called generative AI. Now we're going to talk about generative AI and where this fits into the whole spectrum of different AIs that are available and that we think might be available in future. So it is a very um, fascinating topic. Uh, we're very excited to talk about it. We're passionate about AI in general anyway. And uh, we hope you're also waiting for us to talk about it because uh, it is one of the hot topics nowadays everywhere. Yeah, actually, Renat, uh, thanks a lot for that introduction. I think it sums up very nicely about the uh, word generative AI. And I think AI is now a very hot topic because uh, most of the companies, they are now looking at how can they bring AI into their products. So a lot of companies are already looking at it. Plus, I think with the advent of ChatGPT, it has matured to a level where companies can actually make some benefit or add value to their existing projects using the AI tools. Earlier, they were not able to, but now they are. Um, and one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk about this today was uh, recently we had the we are having actually the London Tech Week and yesterday was the first day and um, then in in that day uh, Rishi Sunak gave the opening uh, I mean he he talked about AI and basically they're talking about the regulation of AI tech or the technology behind AI, how to regulate it, what what are the things that you need to consider, etc, etc. And it, it talks about a broad set of AI, but I think the reason I selected I, or I wanted to talk about generative AI is because it covers a broad set of tools, not just chat GPT, but across the board. Yes, absolutely. And um, there, there are obviously mixed views on how um, AI research and, and innovation should be controlled or whether it should be controlled at all. But that probably is a topic for another day. Uh, generative AI is is um, actually taken up, you know, the not just the tech industry, but, you know, everyone by storm because it just completely changed the game of AI upside down. What it what AI systems could do before and what it can do now is has changed drastically, dramatically uh, overnight, really, uh, after after the sort of the inauguration of uh, ChatGPT, one of the leading generative AI. But I think before we start talking about generative AI, we we should understand what are what different kinds of AI there are, uh, there could be theoretically. And where does generative AI fit into all of this? Now, one thing I want to sort of uh, be clear with with the audience for you know for 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 good measure, to be honest, because uh, it's very um, generative AI. The word or the term sounds very similar to the term general AI, and these are two completely different things, and um, they are. Uh, one of them is completely in theory right now. It's not, you know, 
invented or innovated yet and the other one we've we've started to uh, use it and grown to like it very much so chat gpt and uh, similar tools like bud by google uh, etc and then there is the open source one available on the market as well these are called generative ai now amit might shed a little bit more light on what, what the origin of the name is but to me it it the name generative comes because it generates output uh, which are sort of new uh, which are not necessarily similar to or a copy paste or just a uh, sort of permuta permutation combination of existing texts but new texts it generates that but um and i want to distinguish uh, this with general ai general ai is not something we have right now and um, you know it will potentially take many, many years to get true general AI. Now, what is general AI is um, intelligent general AI is general artificial intelligence, but general intelligence or, or, you know, biological ones are the ones that intelligence that we humans have. Uh, we can have a, we have a general purpose AI machine, which is our brain. We, we, you know, absorb information we have a consciousness we understand what we are sort of um, absorbing the information and we process it based on past experiences and we can come up with completely new solution in an unknown environment um, by and one of the key thing to understand is that we understand the problem we understand the motivation behind coming up with a solution and what solution may or may not work in a environment that we haven't even been trained on. So that's general intelligence. And the day we sort of make it, you know, innovate it, so it's artificially created, that would be generally general artificial intelligence. And that would be massively powerful and very scary, because that would very quickly surpass uh, human intelligence, because of all the all the knowledge available everywhere. But what we have is what we have now is is still very impressive. Generative AI like ChatGPT and Bird are sort of coming up with really well written scripts and uh, sort of paragraphs, articles, etc. But one thing to remember is that it doesn't understand what it's generating. That understanding part is general intelligence, and what it's generating. A generative AI is generating very well output, but it doesn't have that understanding of what it's generating. So um, that's something I just wanted to sort of, um, sort of, uh, you know, clear at the, at the beginning of this talk. Hopefully, uh, the audience would understand um, the the difference going forward and not be scared of however scary the response of ChatGPT is. It's not an intentional. Um, sort of a scary output. Well, yes, I think uh, you made the distinction very clear. I think yeah, general intelligence or general artificial intelligence is still very far ahead in the future. We still haven't reached that stage. And it's basically problem solving and problem solving of, uh, of I mean, problem solving of problems that it has never encountered before. So that's what humans do, right? We find a new problem and we try to solve it. Uh, by whatever we have learned and applying. But uh, gen uh, the current AI models, what they do is they train on a specific set of data uh, and that data is what they use as a baseline 
to generate new data. Now you said that uh, they are not able to understand what they are generating. Well, maybe they themselves are not understanding, but they assign certain values of the or the probabilities in which that data is being generated. So mathematically, they can still say that, okay, it is very close to the data that they have been trained on and what is being asked. So when we talk about generative AI, a lot of people, they think about only ChatGPT or Google Bard. So ChatGPT is from OpenAI and Bard is from Google. So these are the two top uh, tools that you can now currently think of, but there are other tools as well. And this is these are tools which are related to text generation. So there are tools which are related to image generations like DALI and then you have uh, the mid journey. Then there is tools for audio generation. So you can generate audio based on say vocal cord training. So you record a piece of uh, audio from your own voice or maybe using a synthetic voice and you can give them a script or using your own voice, you can generate new audio. So that's generative audio. And then you also have video. So Runway ML, they have a Gen 2, I think, model where you can write a piece of text and it'll generate a video for you. And you can also ask the video to copy a format of a recorded video that you have. And then using that as a baseline, uh, create a new form of video, like using that as a baseline. So these are the different forms of generative AI. And uh, as Rinath mentioned, generation, because it's, it's creating new stuff. So that's why generative AI, because it's generating new stuff. But how are they generating and what is the mathematical principles behind it and what what is the model called on which they are trained so one of the most famous models on which these uh, applications are working on is called gan or generative adversarial networks now th there are two neural networks and they are competing against each other so you have a set of data that's the real data and one network, one neural network is trying to create something which is as close to the real data as possible. And the other neural network is trying to figure out what is real and what is fake. So what is the real data and what is the data that is generated by the AI? If it can't make a difference, then the neural network that has created the uh, data, the fake data, new data, then it will get a higher uh, rating or a value but if if it is able to detect that okay this is fake this is generated by ai then it will get a lower rating and it will get filtered out so that's how you train a model so the model itself is now dependent on the data on which you train so the data could be a very good set of data which neatly labeled everything is set clearly high quality data with uh, proper descriptions etc or it could be something which is, uh, I mean, it's just images or it's just random text without any labeling, without any categorization, etc. So it's a low quality data. So even if you're training the uh, model on that piece of uh, data, you'll not get a very good output because you're not categorizing it or labeling it properly and uh, contextualizing it. And the last bit is that, uh, I mean, these models, uh, 
uh, once they um, I mean generate the data then um, I mean it can also have bias because of the uh, inherent bias in the data that we are picking so suppose we are picking data only of white male or white population then it's uh, then it won't understand how to generate maybe a black population or an Asian population because it has not got access to that kind of data or it's very specific to certain categories of say music so it won't uh, be able to generate some new form of music so I mean I mean I'm just giving some random examples but I, I hope you get the point so bias is there and then the quality of the data so that matters so you have a model and then what the model is using and what is the quality of the data that it's using and if does the data have any bias in it so these are quite important whenever we talk about generative AI so that's why it's very important what prompts we uh, are writing uh, for the model so some of the models, they are optimized for a certain type of prompts. Like you have to give a verb, you have to give a noun, you have to define the scene, and you have to tell it how it should work, etc., etc. And then the model will uh, give you a very ac accurate um, output, very close to what you want. So you need to be able to describe it very well. And that's where we did a talk on prompt uh, engineering, uh, prompt engineers. So that's where these prompt engineers come in because they can design a prompt for that specific model. So each model will have a different way of writing a prompt. Midjourney has different, ChatGPT has different, Bard has different. So based on how you write the prompt is how you will get an output. So yeah, so it's 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 quite a fascinating thing and we just wanted to talk about it today. Yes, yes, absolutely. And how you, you could, you have different ways of manipulating different AI system based on the, the way you prompt them. Um, so that's, that is a, a world of AI is, is just so interesting and it's getting more and more complex yet also more and more interesting at the same time. And, uh, it is, uh, it is, um, while we, I, you know, we are not at an immediate risk of AI taking over. Uh, but I think it's still a very, um, sort of a very interesting space to keep in touch always and, uh, you know, sort of closely monitor the developments. And, um, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you were mentioning, uh, you know, about the London Tech Week, uh, and, um, you know, people, you know, some of the leaders of the world are cons concerned about how the AI is being developed. And, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, whether AI um, <clears throat> systems that currently exist are taking um, taking away people's jobs, that's a different question that then whether AI will take over the world. These are two different problems. Um, and I don't think, um, you know, there is a lot of concern in either of either one, um, you know, anyway, uh, in terms of AI taking away people's jobs, that's just a, um, you know, a, a sort of a, a sort of another way of uh, saying whether automation will take over people's job that we were asking two years ago. And then, you know, uh, whether Microsoft Excel will take away people's jobs that we were asking 20 years ago. And when then whether calculators will take people's job, we are asking 60 years ago. So that's just the same question um, that will keep coming. And, uh, you know, hopefully people will sort of um, reskill themselves so, you know, they can sort of move on to transition them into more skilled and more interesting jobs. Um, in terms of what, whether AI will take over the world, that is, that will be an issue if, 
general AI was <clears throat> invented and was was not controlled before it was invented. Uh, given that it you know has a lot of traction in terms of AI safety, I think even when we are very close to inventing it, we will obviously take on enough safeguards. But again, you know, we are talking about something that will be able to surpass human knowledge, all historic human knowledge in, um, you know, maybe hours or less than a day. So um, it is still dangerous, but we are far, far away from it. And I, I come, I keep coming back to this thing about um, sort of differentiating general AI with uh, generative AI and the understanding part. And there is an interesting sort of um, uh, metaphor I want to sort of, um, you know, put forward in in front of our audience to think about uh, this. This uh, there is a, like a philosophical uh, sort of a, a thought exercise called the Chinese Room, and you know this is just what it's called. No offense to the uh, the the Chinese people. I guess you could sort of uh, look at it as as um, I don't know a like a English room for. <laughs> For native Chinese speakers, but basically the thought experiment goes like this. So imagine, uh, you know, a, a person who does not understand a word or a letter of Chinese, and he or she is sitting inside a room. And inside that room is a, a, a like a unlimited amount of papers, or in our now modern case, uh, modern environment, inside the room there is a computer, which ha which has the biggest database of um, responses. So the person doesn't know Chinese, doesn't understand anything to do with it, but there is a computer where he can input something, and the computer will give him the right response. Now. You can communicate with this person by slipping a note under the door. Um, so you can't directly talk to this person in any other way. You can just, you know, you know, or, or a Chinese person, or you know, basically whoever knows Chinese can sort of talk to them um, by slipping, writing down Chinese through under the door, and he or she will get that uh, piece of paper and then ask the computer, what is the response? What should be the response? And the computer will generate or print out a piece of paper and then they can, you know, reply by, you know, sending the that new piece of paper back. Now, would you say that that you know and this uh, computer has all the responses of all every, anything anyone can write ever and has the correct you know appropriately chinese response now if you communicate with this person you know many many times ask any questions you will get the right response as if a you know a native chinese speaker is talking now would you say that that person you know, uh, knows Chinese because, you know, in, in real life, he doesn't. But in, in the philosophical thought experience, some experiment, someone could argue that the whole system, which includes the man and the computer and the room, if you include the whole room as one system, that system knows Chinese. But the person itself doesn't know Chinese. And that's, I think, um, uh, quite clear to us because you know, he's just getting all the response blindly. So 
it's not exactly similar what's happening with chat gpt but it just been trained on what should be the right response to you know anything and it's been trained on such a massive amount of data that it could sort of um um sort of respond in a way that it's it's sort of created a thoughtful uh response but it's at the end of the day it is a a sort of a um sort of a sort of a uh, uh, an extended version of of the Chinese room, and it, it's an, uh, that's another way. So uh, going back to the original point of whether general intelligence or whether AI will take over, or, or that uh, concern uh, of of leaders uh, of the world that they have, I don't think general AI is, you know, uh, we're anywhere close to creating general AI, but it could happen uh, within our lifetimes. Uh, and it is something to watch out and be careful and take appropriate safeguards for. Yeah, I think uh, it was a very interesting experiment. And I, I take, I, I, I can relate it to generative AI in a way, not like the way you're saying about training the model, but thinking about like what I can do as a creator. So suppose uh, I don't know how to paint. And now I can ask AI to generate a paint, a painting in a particular style of a particular thing, right? And there is an artist who can do the same thing, but they, that artist has years of training. So it's something similar, right? I know a language and I can talk in it fluently and I don't know a language yet. I can still create something in that particular language using an AI tool. So that's the power of generative AI. So whom would you give more value to? Uh, the artist who has trained many years or the person who's just written a few pieces of text to create an art using AI. So that's the debate that people are now having. Like, should I should we actually give awards to photographs or images that have been created by AI or videos that have been created by AI? And that's a very uh, pertinent question that I think a lot of people are now thinking about. A lot of awards have already uh, thought, I mean, the, some people are discriminating. Some people are saying that you can't use any AI tools and some people are embracing it. And they are saying that's a new way because then you can uh, b uh, bring on more ideas. Because imagine a person like me or you, we are not artists. I mean, I'm not an artist. I'll, I'll assume that you're I. not an artist uh, in terms of painting. No. Maybe you are a musician or some creative artist. I'm not. So let's <laughs> say we both are not painters. But now we have access to a tool that can help us to paint in a particular format. So now we can create the ideas in our head. Earlier we had ideas, but we couldn't create. And now with these tools, we can create. And that's the power of these tools, generative AI. And that's what I see that now what's happening is there is a debate in the creative industry as to uh, should we actually allow these tools or should we not allow these tools? How much scope should be given? Should we put a disclaimer that, okay, this, this art has been generated using AI or this particular video or audio has been generated using AI? I think the disclaimer is very important because then you make sure that misinformation is not spread. So you don't give due credit to um, uh, artificially generated image or text uh, to a person uh, because you know that it's created by AI. And then you can also use that uh, disclaimer to make sure that you don't spread misinformation. Oh, President Trump has said this, but actually President Trump has not said anything. And we talked about uh, in one of our uh, topics of deepfake like um, 
if trump uh, donald trump or say barack obama say something very controversial against say, russia putin or china then that can be misinterpreted and it can be uh, i mean it can lead to a war but actually they have never said that it just someone created a deep fake video using ai using their uh, faces and uh, just generating the audio in their voices so it's crazy to think about the applications and the implications behind these uh, things so that's one thing that i take from that chinese thought experiment that yeah it's it's interesting that a person who doesn't know how to speak chinese uh, for someone outside the system they think yeah that person knows chinese even though they don't know anything about it Yes, yes, absolutely. And there are so many ways to think about it. And, you know, the, 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 what you just said, you know, I mean, in my head, I'm categorizing them in, in two different things. One is the sort of the, the, the ethically right and wrong application of, of this powerful tool. You know, you can do deep fake. You can also scam. I mean, recently I've heard of quite, quite articulated and very real scams. That, voice calls, voice calls. Uh, which yes, voice calls, a. absolutely. And not just voice calls. And, you know, some of them were actual video calls because of generative AI. As you mentioned, you know, there are tools, AI tools, which can also create videos based on uh, existing videos. So, you know, just from our, this, this talk, someone could have enough information to generate anything uh, said by us, which actually are not genuinely said by us. So yeah, so those are the um, category where, you know, application, you know, the, the ethically wrong application, applying it, applying this tool wrongly. Um, so that's something absolutely is a risk and something that we should be careful of. And nowadays we should, you know, it, with, with the advent of the, all of these new tools, we should be more and more careful of how we are being manipulated or we could be um, in this in this space. And the other thing that you mentioned, which uh, in my head is a different thing, is that about the sort of transparency and the sort of the human contribution of creating a piece of art or anything, you know, if, if, if we are creating any content um, and we are putting it out there for the world to see, just like this podcast, um, you know, how important is it that it's, you know, sort of declared that an AI was sort of there to create it. Now, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people have ideas, but they didn't have this, that capacity to actually, you know, make it into a reality now have it, you know now at, at what point of human augmentation does it become not human's contribution anymore because as you i mean you know i'm not a musician i i, I you know but i could think of some melody in my head and then if i give that melody to someone, um, forget AI, you know, if I just, you know, if I hire a musician and if I say, oh, this is the melody and this is the, you know, the, the, the type of, you know, some of the words I've written, make it into a song. And then, you know, I, I would essentially be the owner of that IP because it was my idea. I just, now instead of a human, I'm giving that idea and that minimal amount of information and direction to an AI tool, and it makes it into a song. And the AI tool is using all of its knowledge that it was trained on, just like the human I'm, I, I would be hiring, they would be using their years of experience on this industry and generate 
this. So now, you know, it, the person who generated and, you know, is, is, is not, is unrelated to owning because it was my idea. And, um, I, I sort of made it into a reality by hiring someone. Um, and then you could also think about AI as that, you know, it's, it's basically increasing the, you know, augmenting human capacity. So now I want to sort of, um, build a DIY project and Ikea furniture. I could have a screwdriver, a manual screwdriver, or I could have a power tool. Um, so the tool I've used allowed me to make this DIY project, make this table or this cupboard faster and a little bit more professional because, you know, if I was doing it by manually with a screwdriver, not only would it be slower, but it would also be loose and, you know, a little bit wonky maybe in places. But with a power tool and knowing appropriately how to use it, I can have a much more professional output very quickly. Now, isn't that what AI tools are doing? I have the idea and I'm just using a different tool, which is more powerful and more advanced. Now, at what point does it become not my contribution and the creation of the AI? And, um, you know, if I had given a lot of thought on what prompt I would need to give, and not just a lot of thought, but many, many attempts to get out a, a sort of a, 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 an output from the system that is, you know, like uh, good enough to be on the market, then do I not have uh, a lot of sort of uh, intellectual input in that uh, in that sort of article or a piece of art, whatever it is? And then who is to say that who who had more contributions in creating that? So yes, absolutely. I mean, for for consumers' perspective, I would like to know whether um, you know whether it was sort of augmented by AI. But then you know, I could also be questioned that: Do I want to know which tools were used in all of everything that we consume? I mean, you know, there are composing uh, music composing uh, softwares like uh, FL Studio is one of them. Ableton is another one. There are a few. Every time we hear music, do we want to hear that, oh, this software was used to compose this music? I mean, that, that would be quite tedious. So there is an open argument. We'd like to hear all of your thoughts, uh, audience. Please do reach out to, to let us know. And we could have a more lively debate, if you like. Yeah, I, I have I have a few uh, thoughts on that. So firstly, I think uh, we need to understand what technology is and what tools are uh, and where the humans are placed with respect to it. So I think uh, we all think that uh, technology is there and uh, it is what is enabling everything. But I think we all forget the human aspect of everything. You can have a screwdriver, but the screwdriver itself is not going to screw anything. You need a human to use the screwdriver, even if it's a power tool. So the power tool itself will not do anything. Humans have to come interact with the tool to give you that output of, okay, creating a furniture. So the tool itself can't do anything. The human itself can't do anything. Combining together, they can achieve greatness. So something similar is happening with the generative AI thing. So just having chat GPT and access to chat GPT doesn't mean you will create an ebook or doesn't mean you will create a piece of art that will get awarded. You have access to it, but that doesn't mean that uh, something will automatically generate from it. That's general intelligence maybe, but we are not there yet. So so that human prompt is still necessary to uh, direct the um, 
the AI model to generate that specific art that you are looking for. So that idea is still coming from you. So the IP should still be owned by you. Just like the furniture was built by you, not by the screwdriver or not by the power tool. It was still built by you. And without the human, the tool is meaningless. But without the tool, you can still figure out a way to assemble the furniture with your own hands. So similarly, without the tool, you can still find a way to create a music or to or create a painting or write a book. But the tool makes it better, faster, easier. So you save a lot of time. You don't get tired. You can do other things in the same amount of time, etc., etc. So the same thing is now happening with the AI tool. Plus, I think another thing a lot of people keep forgetting is that you have different versions of AI. So like in ChatGPT, you had GPT-3. That was the basis for ChatGPT. And with uh, after GPT-3, GPT-4 came. And that was the basis for the new ChatGPT. So ChatGPT Plus subscribers have access to GPT-4. Now, GPT-4 was trained on a very vast amount of data, much bigger than G what GPT-3 was trained. And in order to train on these data, you need vast amounts of computing. So someone has to pay for that compute. Someone has to uh, train those models. So we, we will reach a certain limit where it will not be a very lucrative option to train very large models because they'll require a large amount of computing power. So we will have to figure out better models where we can generate the same high quality output using less computing power. So I think uh, I think that's also we have to cater to because uh, I mean, generating something, yes, everyone can generate. It doesn't come free. You have to pay for it. So, but it is your idea uh, that goes behind generating. It's like you have a pen, but can everyone write a book? Or can everyone write a good story? Everyone has access to a paintbrush, but can everyone create a piece of art? from that paintbrush. So it's just a tool. So let's not forget that uh, technology doesn't solve or tools don't solve problems. Humans solve problems using those tools. So I think that's very important. And a lot of times we give so much importance to the technology that we forget. And it goes back to the same thing which, which you said earlier about automation, like calculators will replace, Excel will replace, automation will replace, etc., etc. So I'm in software testing and there has been talk that uh, uh, manual testing by hands, by using your brain is outdated. It is uh, no longer going to be acceptable and it is going to get outdated very soon because automation is there. 10 years down the line, 16 years down the line, automation is there, manual testers are still there. So the job itself hasn't gone, it has just adapted. Uh, automation has just made us uh, testers to do to be better at our jobs because all the repetitive stuff has now been automated so we don't have to repeat that stuff the mundane stuff has been automated so that's the same thing with the ai tools so the mundane stuff will be all. so I, I i just saw a tiktok video instagram reel and um, in that uh, a creator a youtube creator is describing how uh, it used to take so many people to create one shot like you need a designer, you need a choreographer, you need a costume designer, you need a producer, you need so many things. But now with just a simple prompt, you can create everything um, and you can get the final output uh, without actually needing a designer, without needing a creative artist or anything. And you can create that shot. And once you get that visual shot with the lighting also in place, then you can use that to actually shoot that in reality. 
so with just a simple line of text you can now replace so many jobs but it it doesn't mean that those jobs are replaced it just means that now you don't have to spend so much time in ideation the ideas have come and now we can talk about it and do something i think uh, we need to put a disclaimer so for this podcast i actually asked chat gpt and google bard some ideas on what to talk about when uh, we are talking about generative ai and i gave the prompt like i co-host a podcast on technology today we are going to talk about generative ai can you suggest some ideas for this podcast and it gave us a list of ideas and uh, we have picked some of the ideas of course uh, i was the one who picked up all the ideas rinath has added his own uh, stuff so that doesn't mean that this chat this podcast is now uh, we can give credit to chat gpt we are using our own head and but we are just using that for ideation yeah and absolutely and um the article both of them uh, generated was was really nice but it was in short tldr uh, for me <laughs> so i just it was just too long for me to read and uh, i just didn't and i had a lot of things to say to you guys which you know uh, didn't need a uh, direction but then i i can't sort of deny how well structured it was i looked at that it, it had bullet points and it actually had points of all the things that or everyone is currently talking about and it's actually it was actually really well written uh, piece of uh, sort of article and anyone following that would also Uh, you know be greatly benefited because you know it it has all the important points that people are talking about although you know our conversation has been fully natural but we have seen what what those articles you know what those headings were and that has potentially made us even more sort of confident in what we are talking about so um yeah absolutely uh, 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 you know it is a tool which can augment your perform- performance um, and definitely people should use it and find newer ways to innovate more things and newer ways to create more jobs which doesn't exist right now i think uh, one of the other things that i wanted to touch upon uh, with the generative ai uh, was also the implications of uh, data security and privacy so a lot of times i think we we write these prompts and we think that okay we can put input anything and it will give us an output but you have to remember that all those prompts are being stored in some servers so suppose you say that i want to uh, or you take a court case and you want to summarize the whole court case so that court case may not be a public document it could be a confidential document and now you have put it as a prompt in a tool that is hosted on the cloud so all the confidential information is now hosted on a, a server even though it's not public but it's hosted on a cloud server so your data confidential data has now been leaked to confidential server so you have to be very careful of what you're typing into these prompts and you have to make it as abstract as possible without giving any personal information or any information that is confidential or if it's used can be used for uh, uh, malicious purposes so you have to be very careful of what you're inputting because everything that you input the model is getting trained on that particular prompt and the response that it's getting because there are humans who are evaluating the responses in google bard you can uh, like or dislike a particular response and that will train the model 
to say that okay this was the prompt this was my response not liked or this was the prompt this was the response liked so now it's training the model so if you give it a lot of personal data it will train the model on that personal data which may be useful but it's not uh, something that you should be doing because then that's a uh, data i mean your data is now getting leaked to other external sources yes absolutely and something like did uh, this did actually happen and i think someone accidentally exposed war secrets of 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 a, a country's defense system so i don't know remember whether it was the sudanese i think it was a not war secret but some person used uh, the chat gpt or some tool to uh, for some uh, references so they just blindly took the output from chat gpt and they used it as references of uh, uh, for uh, so, sorry as precedents for uh, a court case that they were uh, fighting and those precedents were all randomly generated and they were all fake uh, so also i think you have to bear in mind that whatever chat gpt or any of the tools that they are generating it's not factually correct because the what they are trying to do is predict the next word or predict the next thing okay based on what what it has already generated so suppose it's generated the ai so it will try to predict what comes next what is the probability based on the prompt that you have given the ai is powerful the ai is generative the ai is general the ai is non ethical etc etc so based on the prompt yes. it will try to predict the next word but so, it's it's not factually correct Exactly and there is a very quick and uh, interesting way you can test it yourself with ChatGPT or Bard. So say for example if you ask it what is 2 plus 2 it will always come back with 4. Uh, hopefully most of the I guess 99% of the time because it has it knows it has seen 2 plus 2 equals 4 like so many times within its training data. but if you ask it some two random large numbers uh, say 746 times 982 um what are, it will generate an answer and it will very likely be wrong because it is very unlikely that within its all of this training data this particular two numbers and what is the multiply of these two numbers was there so it's it will take two quick seconds ask these you know what is 5 plus 5 it should bring up 10 very easily because there are many data that shows that but two random large numbers multiply or add or whatever it's unlikely that it has seen that piece of text before so it's not understanding how mathematics works or how multiplication or even addition works it just repeating what it's being trained on and there was there is usually you know a, a lot of training data which are you know smaller numbered mathematical uh, calculations but if you go large as soon as you do you realize how quickly it breaks down and that that's a good example of understanding how chat gpt or any other of these ai generative ai systems work i think that's a very good example and i think uh, i i think with gpt4 and maybe other tools they are now training it on mathematics as well but i think with gpt3 what chat gpt was initially using at the time of launch yes it could not predict uh, the correct mathematical answer and uh, it also can't predict the it can't uh, it doesn't have uh, exact information so it only has information that it has been trained on so you have to be very careful so everything you have to take it with a pinch of salt so even if it says something 
you have to think does it actually make sense or can you verify what it's trying to say until unless you can verify or it doesn't make sense to you you should not be using it or claiming that okay um, uh, it's true so yeah so i mean i mean those are some of the things that you have to be very careful about whenever you are using any tool so just because you have a power drill or a power tool in your hand doesn't mean that you can drill or do anything with it i mean it has a battery you have to be careful you have to keep on charging the battery if you don't charge the battery you can't use it and uh, even if it's a power tool it doesn't mean you can poke it inside a human being it is meant for yes. specific objects only and and under specific circumstances so you have to be very careful of what tool you are using and for what purpose absolutely absolutely this has been a really nice conversation amit i thoroughly enjoyed it and hopefully our audience also enjoyed listening to it um we do really um urge uh, you guys to please reach out with any comments feedback or any new topics or if you want to debate on anything that we've said in our this episode or any of the past ones please do reach out our contact details are in all of our platforms whichever you are listening to um so um we we look forward to hearing from you guys thanks again for um tuning in with us this time and hopefully we will see you again next week thank you so much uh, and hope you had a good time listening to our chat on this topic uh, <laughs> thanks again for tuning in see you next week bye <laughs>